worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. A community police officer makes quite a big mistake at a local elementary school. Artificial intelligence programs that you can use today to cause some serious havoc. And then we take a look at the theory of Zermatism. Has humanity been locked in a daily struggle that has lasted for a millennia against our most hated foe, the Yeti, today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. I actually have had a really hard time getting started today. I've just been like messing around all day long, completely no motivation. And finally I was like, ah, I better do something because I got a lot of stuff to do. So here I am. Our first story today, what is wrong with my voice? Our first story today. We're going back to it, guys. New news. I found this in my new news folder a while back, and I haven't really been saving it. I just haven't gotten around to it. The year of new news, 2004. We're in the city of Houston, Texas. A little this short story, but it's kind of funny. Elementary school. There's a little elementary school in the middle of Houston, Texas, middle of nowhere. I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure it's a quite populated area. There's a school police officer. It's like a community resource officer. He shows up and he's like, hey, guys, I have this awesome stuff for you. I have these, uh, I'm going to do this anti-gang lecture. And they're like, why are you so surprised? Why are you talking like you're a game show host? He's like, no, 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 I'm sorry. I have an anti-gang lecture to do. I don't want to forget that other intro. I didn't take a look at my notes. I forgot what he was talking about. I'm doing an anti-gang lecture. So I'm actually very stern and I'm shaking my finger at you. And then this is in elementary school again. But he's like telling, you know, kids stay away from drugs. Stay away from gangs. Uh, he looks at his notes, that's all he has written down, stay away from drugs, stay away from gangs. How do you talk to elementary school kids about gang violence? He's like, well, you know, sometimes they shove crack up their butt so we don't find it at first. But then, and then the kids are like, what? What is going on? Anyways, he's lecturing them, anti-gang lecture, and he's like, I have some supplies to hand out. I have some, some stuff I'm gonna hand out. Now, again, elementary school. So he hands out this... Uh, he hands out, like, I don't know, maybe stickers, pictures of, like, a blood in a crypt with, like, an X through them. And he hands out a calendar. He gives 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 the, the, gives away 25 calendars to these kids. 25 anti-gang calendars. Now, this is where, that it would normally not be something we cover on this show. But this is where it falls into Dead Rabbit Radio territory. The calendars, <laughs> the calendars that he handed out to these elementary school students. He must, he, they don't know how he got him, but apparently he went to some gang, he went to some gang, anti-gang lecture of his own, like he was being lectured. Someone was pointing sternly at him and saying, don't do drugs, don't join a gang. They gave him all this material, and somehow that material ended up with the stuff he was giving out to the school kids. Now, Satan worshipping is generally considered a street gang. And again, I'm not talking about like the Church of Satan, Anton LaVey level Satan. But you'll have gangs 
you know where this is going now. You'll have gangs that get locked up in like gang presentations for police, and one of them is saint worshippers. They're like they're generally are like gangs. They run in groups of like say three to seven, and they may not do as much drug dealing, but they do do other criminal activities like vandalism and loitering and drinking and drug use and stuff like that. So he he got these at some point. The police officer got these at some point, and he's handing out these school he's handing out these calendars to these school kids, elementary school kids, and it's a calendar, just a normal calendar that you look at. But then it has what it, it basically it was a calendar you would give to a cop. So you would look at a date and go, uh oh, this is a satanic holiday. We better have extra patrols on the loose. And you're thinking, oh, you know that's okay, Jason. They give out calendars that have Christian holidays on them, right? So what's the problem with giving out a calendar? This is what one... Okay, you're giving this to a fourth grader or a third grader, whatever the grade was. September 20th, you're like, oh, that's my birthday. Yay, September 20th. I'm going to look at the calendar and see what the saint worshippers do on my birthday. I'm in third grade. This is what it said on the calendar. September 20th is a midnight host. You should have a blood type ritual. Well, yeah, okay. I'm not scared of my birthday now. Kid next to him is going, my birthday's the 23rd. Let's look at that one. This is what it said on this calendar. Fall equinox. Yay! You should have... <laughs> you should have an orgy? What? What? Activity. Group sex. Any age. Any sex. It's what it said on this calendar that he handed out to a bunch of kids. Now... No one was really punished for this. The parents were super furious because these kids are coming home with these calendars. I'm assuming they were all black with red pentagrams on them. Like, really, really, like, sexed up. Not for the kids, but for the cops who were getting them. They're like, oh, yeah, this looks super spooky. Let's go arrest all these Satanists. But, I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting story. And then you could go with the conspiracy angle that it wasn't a mistake. That if you go there and you hand out 25 calendars to 25 different kids, you may get one of them interested in your cult that you already have operating in the city of Houston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was it a mistake? I don't know. Probably. Probably. Probably a very bad mistake. I'm sure that cop still gets, like, pentagrams drawn on his locker at work. Everyone still makes fun of him for telling for telling kids that September 23rd was orgy night. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Next story is actually shorter than that one. That one was I thought was going to be a little bit shorter. Artificial intelligence. I'm not a huge fan of artificial intelligence. Not in the sense that I'm afraid. Like Elon Musk is like it's the greatest. Elon Musk is like it's the worst thing that could ever happen. Like a lot of people are really scared of AI. I'm not. I don't. Th- I think that AI can never be as smart as we imagine it can be. There's just no proof of that. There's absolutely no proof that it can ever do anything that they're afraid it's going to do. Whatever. But I find AI tools very interesting. That's like saying I don't like houses, but I love hammers. But they have two new tools out. One of them actually was developed by Elon Musk. And I'm not knocking Elon Musk, but they have two new tools out that are incredibly interesting. You can check out one you can use right now. And you've heard a little bit about it, but there's a website called This Person does not exist. So the first time I came across this website, this person does not exist, I was reading something and they're like, if you ever need to set up a fake profile of someone, if you're ever trying to scam somebody or like get information on someone, basically black hat stuff, you're trying to fool somebody, you can go to this website, this person does not exist, and it will generate a random photo 
of a person who has never existed. And I'm like, what? That's impossible. Links, of course, are going to be below. You click on this, and it just generates really real-looking people. Now, what's interesting is it is true. NVIDIA, the video capture card people, I'm sure they do other stuff, but that's how I know them from being a gamer. They invented this program. What they did was they took 7,000 photos from Instagram, I believe, uploaded them into a supercomputer with, you know, the giant, it had like, it was so super, it had the two reel-to-reels and the tape going, and it was punching it, throwing out punch tickets all day long. You put in the 7,000 photos, it takes elements from all of them, and then it can just generate people who've never existed. What's weird about it is you go there and the people look real. And everything's consistent. So generally, you'll see like an older person with older eyes and older lips and older skin. Someone who's black or darker skinned. Every it's not like it's, it's not like it's a black dude with a white guy's eyes and long blonde hair and like Asian lips. Like it can detect what should match to that skin type, what should match to that face. It's very bizarre. Also, the longer you look at the site the easier it is to realize that what you're looking at is fake because you start to see faces that are a little uncanny. Little kids' faces are really creepy. They're really hard to replicate. And it's set up for one face. So there are photos where it's like it will create a group photo for some reason or it'll take elements from a group photo and transport it into a photo that's only supposed to be one person. So the person in the middle of the frame looks totally unique. But there's on the side of the frame, the hobgoblins like jumping out trying to eat their face. Like the face is super distorted because the computer can't make sense of that limited amount of information. Very, very bizarre. But when if you post, if you created a Facebook profile with one of those pictures, no one would question it. No one would question it. They'd be like, oh, it's it's Henry, Henry Joe from this. <laughs> this person does not exist dot com. That's an interesting that you work there. Uh, but yeah, they're e- very easy to fool. However, the longer you keep looking through pictures, the easier it is to realize. But the first 10 or 12, you're going to be a little... And honestly, I want to be totally shocked if I found out this was some sort of scam or marketing gimmick. But the news reports... I mean, NVIDIA put their name on it, so I don't think it, they would really be like, Haha, we fooled you. We don't really have technology that advanced. Elon Musk made a program. I'm going to read you this real quick. This is a news article. I'm going to read you this news article real quick. In a shocking find, scientists discovered a herd of unicorns living in a remote, previously unexplored valley in the Andes Mountains. Even more surprising to the researchers was the fact that the unicorns spoke perfect English. That paragraph was put into an AI program that was built to write. Write news articles. That's all the information they gave it, and then it had to go out and find other information. So you had that paragraph, next sentence. The scientists named the population after their distinctive horn, Ovid's unicorn. These four-horned, silver-white unicorns were previously unknown to science. Now, after almost two centuries, the mystery of what sparked this odd phenomenon is finally solved. Dr. Jorge Perez, an evolutionary biologist from the University of La Paz, goes on for another probably eight paragraphs. If I didn't tell you that, that those following paragraphs were fake, would it sound like a human wrote those? It would basically went out and gathered this information from the internet and wrote this article. And apparently this AI program is so powerful that Elon Musk said, we will not release the source code for this. We're going to release a more limited version of the source code that consumers can use. But the 
problem, you could generate mass, you could basically generate more fake news in a day than all the real news ever printed. Those are my words, not his. But if you had a supercomputer, again, the two reels running, this advanced AI writing these articles, you could just flood the internet with fake news, and you would never, ever be able to tell the difference between a computer-written article that was fake, that was just given a few facts in the beginning, or a real article. I don't necessarily think this story is true. I think that the elements to it are true, and I think that they did create this program. But one thing I've learned a lot of times, I remember watching this thing on a Screen Junkies, and they're like, a computer wrote our newest Honest Trailers. And it, it, you know, basically wrote the script, and the guy was writing it, and it sounded, it was just kind of like this nonsense thing. Well, And the way that it worked, that one in particular, because they had to break it down, they did like a behind-the-scenes event. That sounded really impressive that a computer could write that, and I think that's what happens here as well. The AI actually would spit out multiple guesses, and a human had to go in and pick which one they wanted in which place. So it really just spit out chains of words, and humans went in and made the final editing decisions. I'm thinking that's what went on with this. I'm thinking that it could have said, Dr. Umbrella Hat Man. An evolutionary biologist, and they're like, no, that doesn't work. And it's like, Dr. Umbrella Perez. And they're like, well, we're getting closer, so let's keep the doctor, let's keep the Perez, and let the algorithm... I think that's how this worked. I could be wrong on that. I think you had to have a human go... And it doesn't specify whether, no, 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 it was 100%, or if human, there was... It said limited human interaction, whatever that means. So I don't think it's as advanced as they're putting it out to be. However... You don't want a computer spitting out fake news all day long. I get that. But again, again, that's one of the reasons why I'm just not that threatened by AI. We'll do an upcoming episode on Rocco's Basilic. And if you know of that story right now, consider that a warning. If you don't want to listen to that episode, I'll just title it that. You can skip that episode. But that has to do with AI masters and overlords and simulation theory and all sorts of stuff but i again i i think it's an interesting topic i just am not afraid of the ai you hear me that ai i'm not afraid of you now let's go to a topic that i'm kind of afraid of but kind of have a i I think i think i've always kind of had a crush on her at the same time like growing up i don't know i have an i have an odd love hate relationship with the woman that you all know the woman We all fear, and I might possibly love, I'm still trying to figure that out, her name is Bloody Mary. I don't know why I kept you in, (laughs) I don't know why I tried to keep you in suspense. That's also going to be the title of this episode. But Bloody Mary is a game that I think everyone has either played or heard of. I, I, oh wait, this isn't the Bloody Mary episode, (laughs) never mind, (laughs) never mind. But I'm going to keep that one in, and we'll consider that a teaser for tomorrow's episode forget bloody mary that's how much i want to talk about bloody mary this story though i want to talk about this story because i think it's very fascinating on multiple levels and it also ties into a story that's coming out next week on this show is it possible that humanity is locked into a secret war that's always been a question and i think that's something that pops up in stories of the illuminati and things like that that there's a secret war going on but what if the enemy isn't us There are some theories that we're fighting reptilians, that we're fighting demons. But there was a man named Stanislaw Szukaliski. We're just going to call him Stanislaw, who had another theory. Now, Stanislaw 
Stanislaw was a Polish artist, and not just like a a Polish artist. He was considered the the greatest artist to ever come out of Poland. He was a sculptor. Sculptor. I don't know why I'm saying that like that, but he was a sculpture. He wasn't a sculpture. He was a sculptor. Sculptor. That's what I'm looking for. And gifted from an early age. He was a master of molding stuff. Master of mold was actually his name in Poland. In 1943, he's still young. He was born in 1907, okay? And he was already, like, messing around with popsicle sticks, like, in the womb. He comes out. He's building wire structures, messing around with clay. He's just, like, amazing artist. So in 1943, sorry, in 1934, Poland says, we're going to build you a museum. You're only in, like, your, what, late 20s by then? We're going to build you a museum. To house your work. He's what's considered the greatest living artist at that time. But 1934 for Poland wasn't, uh, you know, a banner year for them. And it was only going to get worse. Because in 1939, the, the Nazis just plowed into the country, blew up his museum, and all of his works were destroyed. There was nothing remained from that early period of Stanislaw's life. Now, at the time, he was kind of, he was a famous artist. He was roaming through Europe and traveling to America and stuff like that. And he's like, well, there's nothing to go back to there. He just like goes there and he's like, no, my sculptures. And they're like, no, that's just rubble. And he's like, I can't tell the difference. He's just holding up giant bricks. So him and his family go to America. And at that point, he basically becomes like a troll. He's basically a troll of the art community. Like, he's constantly arguing with other artists and stuff like that. And he doesn't have any money. So, it's okay if you're a dick, but you're wealthy. And if you're poor, you should probably be nice because you probably need more help. But he didn't have that figured out. But he had something else on his plate. He's like, you know what? All these artists are terrible people. And the world is a terrible place. But I know something. I know something nobody else knows. I know about the war. Now, imagine, this is something that I think is pretty useful in this type of stuff. Imagine you are a loved one of somebody who is, <laughs> who is losing their mind. Stanislaw was a gifted artist, definitely. And we have photographs of his work before and after the museum because he continued to create work. But his work then focused on the war. And not the war that was raging, in World War II, but he believed that we were at war with the Yeti, which he called the Yet, the Yetisin, which means sons of Yeti. And he crafted this, basically, he basically crafted a philosophy, a religion called Zermatism. So while he continued to do sculpting work, he was also writing a 42-volume book series that had 25,000 pages and 14,000 illustrations by him detailing this, by all accounts, a fictional world. But it was the world that we lived in that he saw it. And this is how it was set up. So this was his story. The, The mud flood shows up. The world is basically flooded and muddy and everything is destroyed in an unspecified time period for him. They never really specified, that I could see specified what the time period was. But humanity basically got pushed to Easter Island. And the remnants of whatever was here before us made it to Easter Island. And as the mud began to recede, the water was still there. The people said, we need to 
to leave Easter Island, we need to repopulate the planet. And depending on, this is so bizarre, depending on how you, how your people left Easter Island is how the indigenous people had lines on their face. And when I saw that, I just imagined a bunch of like wrinkles on people. But no, you know how some tribes will have like two red marks on their cheeks? Like they'll take ink, not like they're physically, but they'll take ink and they'll put two red marks. He goes, that means they went through a deep set of mud and then to a shallow set of mud. And the two marks represent the two things of mud. And he'll show a picture, a drawing of a aborigine guy with two red lines on his face. Then he goes, and then in this culture, they would have paint a wavy line on their face. That means the mud flood that they swam through to get to, you know, Bolivia was more, like, crazy. Like, whoa, kids, this is nuts. Like, it was super wavy. And if they had ones that were in a different angle, it meant, like, maybe they climbed up a mountain through the mud or something like that. But that was to signify how they left Easter Island and got to the mud. So we're basically back to who shot John Lennon territory, where this guy may be a brilliant artist, but he, I'm sure at some point he was looking through aboriginal face-painting patterns And he saw something that nobody else could see. Just like Stephen Lightfoot, who believes that Stephen King killed John Lennon, he reads these headlines and sees he's thinks he's seeing a code no one else can see. Stanislaw is seeing these pictures of Aborigine people with face paint, and he's showing people, and he's like, "Look, no, you see, this shows where the mud was." And as a loved one, you'd have to be like, "Oh, uh, yeah, sure." Like, at what point do you say, "No"? That's not true, because nobody really argued with this guy about this. Because, again, what are you going to say? Now, this is where a little bit of the ethnocentrism comes in. He believes that the original language, the best language that Earth ever had, that was spoke on Easter Island, was called Protong. And that is basically modern-day Polish. So, you know, yeah, you just happened, to, Stanislaw, you just happened to be lucky enough to be hanging out I mean, that's a little like you're the one who is able to decipher this and your language is the best language on planet Earth. And, you know, that's a little bizarre, a little bizarre. It would be interesting if somebody if somebody was like super racist and they found I think I mean, what if if Stanislaw, what if he was researching this and he found out that like all of like the lame people who left Easter Island tried swimming other continents and everyone pushed them to Poland and they're like, no, I don't want to go somewhere else. Like, it's interesting that, that was a long segue to get to this, but it's interesting that this guy obviously is having some sort of delusion, and the delusion makes him superior. It's interesting because delusions, I think, tend to make people feel superior. I wonder how many people have delusions that make them inferior. Other than, like, being a cuckold. That makes you inferior. But you know what I mean? Like, if you start to hallucinate and lose your mind... And then you find out that you are the, you're part of the suckiest race on the planet, and everyone else is great. I wonder how often that happens. But anyway, so he believed that all art and all history was connected because humanity was once on this small island together, surviving, and they all spoke protong and Polish speech is the best. The Polish language is the best living representation of how they spoke back then. But you're like Jason. Jason, get to the Bigfoot stuff. Get to the Bigfoot stuff. You're just going off on tangents. But so anyways, yeah, now we're at the Bigfoot stuff. Now, he did have an interesting thing about, and I hadn't really thought of this, which is odd. 
I know about Bigfoot in America, and then you have like the Yeti in the Himalayas and stuff like that. But he believed that humanity has been locked in a war with the Yeti for centuries. And it is a war we are kind of losing, according to him. This was actually in his book, and I thought this was an interesting phrase. The Yeti of the Himalayas do not exist in isolation. Their legend is spread far across cultural lines, taking on different names in each. The European Woodwoes, the Mongolian Almas, the Siberian Chukyonya, the Chinese Yurin, the Japanese Hybagon, the Amazonian Mapagnari, the American Sasquatch or Bigfoot, the Nukluk of the Canadian North. They exist in all cultures, these wild, hairy creatures of great strength and power. And that's true. Almost every culture does have a story of a beast, of, and they tend to match up. They're larger than humans, they're hairier than humans, they're stronger than humans, and they live in the wilderness. If, if you could attribute that to any other... Li- basically, you could say the same thing. You could go, cats here act the same way cats do in Siberia. Cats here may have a thinner fur, and if they're indoor cats, they'll be a little fatter. But they could say, for the most part, there may be small variables. But if you saw a cat in Siberia, you would recognize it as a cat. And if you went to Africa and saw a cat, it would eat you. But as it was eating you, you would recognize it as a cat. And he's saying the same thing about Bigfoot. So that is definitely true. It was funny because I started researching these other ones that I hadn't heard of the Woodwoes, of the Almas. I actually have an Alma story coming up later this week. There's a lot of cool ones, and we're going to look into these ones as well. The Japanese one, I didn't know there was a Japanese Bigfoot. So he did lock in on that. But he believes that the reason why those they exist everywhere is not only because they're true, but because we are constantly interacting with them. Not only back then when we were fighting spear to spear with opponents that were eight feet tall, but today, because today they have infiltrated human society. Here's a quote from a book about Stanislaw. Today, you might be hard-pressed to recognize a human, Yetisen, among us. But, according to the Zermatic theory, they have frequently positioned themselves as our cruelest leaders. Be they the ancient emperors and tyrants, the medieval conquerors and kings, the Nazis, the Bolsheviks. It seems that wherever the children of the Yeti find themselves able to take the reins of power from man, violence and imperial ambition follow. For Suzalowski, a highly visual thinker, it was readily apparent which physical characteristics would reveal a Yetisen. Long upper lips, sharply angled undercut noses, a certain squatness or roundness in their physique, a short apoid tail, and always accompanying these physical quirks are the inescapable mental characteristics, unforgiving hatred of man, owing partially to rejection on the basis of their biology, an inborn need to dominate and possess, an almost uniform inclination to communism, a desire to cause violence and provoke terror. It's funny because what's there's not a lot of stuff about Zermatism, and this is red meat for people into the conspiracy theory and paranormal beliefs. It was bizarre how little information I could find about this guy. That being said, though, Leonardo DiCaprio's father was a good friend of Stanislaw, and Leonardo DiCaprio grew up with Stanislaw. He knew him very, very well. He loved hearing the stories 
about this man looking at his art. He's actually right now making a documentary. He made the documentary, but it hasn't come out yet. Struggle, The Life and Lost Art of uh, Sukolowski. I think that will bring a lot of attention to this guy. Because despite his delusion, and it's funny because there's like this middle thing where I don't believe in the mud theory and the face painting and the stuff like that. So he kind of lost me in the middle with his theories, but he was an amazing artist who, you know, had everything destroyed in the war. And then he has this interesting Bigfoot Sasquatch grand unifying theory almost that it's, I think it's important for his story to be told. And again, I find it so bizarre that this is not super well known. And to be honest, I had never heard of this before. I actually found out about this recently. It was a request. I don't have written down who requested it, so I believe that it was a request that I came across. I'll go on 4chan every once in a while and ask for a request. I actually think that Dead Rabbit Radio may be... Like, I had a thread the other day someone started, and they're like, hey, Dead Rabbit Radio is great, and they deleted it. I'm starting to think that they might, they might be trying to shadow ban me from there. But I didn't start that thread. But, yeah, so I it was it's something that is super obscure and it again it is perfect for people who are into conspiracy theories and it has everything it has a racist component because like the bad guys are a separate race but they kind of look like humans but you can tell them apart so they have that that's real popular with conspiracy theories it has the the phantom menace it has this um evil that is set up that we don't know it's there it's all interconnected they have their own bloodlines that's all in there it involves false history. It involves one man fighting against the lies that the world is throwing out there. It involves a story that we are all brothers against some monolithic opponent. It's it's just... And it involves Bigfoot! I just find it bizarre that this isn't more out there. And it could be because... I don't know, actually. I don't know why this isn't more popular. But the core question is, is he right? Like I said, I don't buy into the people swimming through the mud and the lines of their faces and that Polish, the Polish language is the best language in the world. I dismiss that. We all know English is. But here's the question. Are we at war with a group of Yeti that the sons of Yeti, so they're the descendants of the Yeti, that's why they look human. Is it possible that Hitler and Mao and Stalin all had little eight tails sticking out of their butt? I mean, probably not. Probably not. You know, most most likely not. But it's an interesting theory because, again, when we see people do evil things, we always go, man, how could they do that? And so if you could say, well, they could do that because they're not human, you're like, oh, okay, then I don't have to worry about being that evil. So that's a little helpful in that. But that philosophical blanket aside that we can cuddle up to, is it possible that we're at war with a hidden species? Not a ethnic group that we don't like or that we think or a religion that is like ruining the world or nothing like that. I'm talking about, is it possible that there is a separate species that has infiltrated our planet, our planet, and rule us? Or was Stanislaw just a madman who was connecting all these threads to weave this story that only he could really believe? Who knows? But sometimes you have to be a little mad to be able to see the real truth. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. 
Twitter is at Jason O'Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Yeah.